Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. I want you to learn ideas from me so you can keep more of what you make. Coming up in just a few minutes in today's Clark Rageous Moment, it is absolutely stinking terrible when states try to prevent competition. I got an example for you coming up, and it ends up costing you and me money. And later, speaking of that, a recent Supreme Court ruling is going to hit your wallet in very odd ways when you're out and about eating or shopping. And uh, gosh, it feels like the all-government hour on the Clark Howard Show because yet another issue where government is weighing in is you're in my lack of privacy online. So California has adopted a new data privacy law in response to all the issues that came up with Facebook, taking your personal information, looking the other way, and allowing it to be manipulated and used for so many different reasons and purposes. So California's law, which phases in over the next two years, will actually give you as a consumer the ability to opt out of having your personal information shared at all. And it gives you the ability to prohibit your personal information from being sold. And that's the most general terms of the law. It has more specifics to it. But this idea of your information, your personal information, being available whenever and wherever is something that can be so dangerous. I think about the problem with people that are trying to hide out from an abusive family member, an abusive spouse, whatever, and someone can go on the internet and in seconds potentially find out where you might be. And, you know, Giving people more control over their information is key. California is, even though it's the most populous state, it's just one state. But for data providers, for apps, for anybody on the internet, it's not foolproof for them to be able to figure out who might be in California or from California. And the fear of data miners, of companies that traffic in your and my personal data and sell it off over and over again, is that the California law will become basically the national standard. They can fear it. I welcome it because you and I should have more control of our personal information. We have no constitutional right to privacy in the United States. There was no concept. If you go back to the founding of our nation, people loved it as a overwhelmingly rural nation they loved it if they saw anybody else other than the people they lived with on a farm in a rural community there was no ability to communicate it was a whole different era whole different time today a desire to have privacy to me is a reasonable expectation and it's one of these things that as someone who's such a believer in the free market the free market has failed to come up with reasonable safeguards and guardrails for your and my privacy. And it is a time that 
I don't know a solution other than the heavy hand of government entering the picture in some way. Now, I want to talk about something briefly that is so much what my belief is, and that is where we as individuals and as a community get together to improve things. And I'm just back from Tulsa, Oklahoma, where we just dedicated another Habitat home, and you see the goodness in so many of us as Americans and our desire as individuals to come together as a community and improve things. And I think that we in America, in spite of the fact that we seem to be kind of down on ourselves, that most of us really do want to do what we can to improve not just our own lives, but to improve the lives of others in our community, to improve the communities in which we live. And the greatest role for us is to do so as individuals in a community, as part of community organizations, religious congregations, any uh, civic organization where people can come together and make a difference to improve people's lives. And that is something that, that means so much to me is when we look at things as being larger than ourselves and do what we can to make a difference for others. Ron is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Ron. Hi, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you, Ron. How can I be of yeah, service thanks. to you? Well, thanks for taking my call. And I just want to express how much I appreciate what you're doing here. I've learned so much from your program over the years. I'm starting to feel like a financial expert. How about that? But, you know, don't get too cocky on that because the second you think you've understood how things work, they change again. That's true. So how can well, I help you, though, today? Okay, well, my, I'm 61 years old. My wife is 55, and we're nearing retirement next year, and we're seeking... Tell her she looks great. She looks like she's like 38. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're looking for a solution for long-term care insurance, and we don't want to put it off too long, I think, because the uh, prices go up every year as we age. And I understand that this industry is in a great transition, but uh, you know, I'm struggling between the uh, traditional long-term care policies and these newer hybrid policies and I also was wondering what you thought about the idea of using a longevity annuity that would start paying out at age 85 as some source of income for long-term care expenses. All right, you have done your, I got to tell you, first of all, Ron, you have really done your homework. I have well, never you. heard someone in 30 seconds lay out those options as beautifully as you just did. Thank you. <laughs> and so you have done a lot of study, a lot of reading. So each, each of them has a slightly different purpose and goal. If you think about long-term care insurance, it has a very linear purpose. You have um, maybe a two and three chance that you might need some level of additional care either in your own home or in an in a nursing home, assisted living, or whatever, for help with daily activities, as it's referred to. And so the odds are pretty good you might need that help. 
And so long-term care insurance specifically fills that need. But it is expensive, and the premiums are not guaranteed. They do, if, if the underwriting is wrong, as it has been in the past, you'll find that once you own the policy and you think you're in at whatever premiums you're paying, they could go up year after year after year. I've heard that. So the second alternative you mentioned, the hybrid, is one that what it does instead is it's geared towards people right in your age range who have available cash most often that you can, in one premium or in one just over a few years of premiums, can fully purchase a specialized whole life insurance policy that has with it a long-term care rider. And so you would have an amount of money that you could receive as a living benefit from the policy rather than in the event that you never need long-term care insurance, it would just pay a traditional death benefit to whoever the designated beneficiary is of the policy. And the second alternative has become extremely popular in the last few years as an alternative to a long-term care policy only. But there, because it gives you certainty, you know, you paid an amount and it will translate into an exact dollar benefit for long-term care. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you the disadvantage of it. If you have no need for the life insurance, you're paying for extra policy features that really are not relevant in your own life. Right. I don't really feel we need the life insurance portion. All right, so then let's move to the third alternative. Third alternative, longevity insurance is a product I love. You buy, uh, in your 60s, you buy a policy that pays you a, a benefit either monthly or annually once you reach age 85, and it pays a huge amount of money per month because the odds say you're not going to make it to age 85. So the, the whole idea is you can blow through all the rest of your money that you had to live on, and on your 85th birthday, you know from then on, the insurance is going to provide for your needs. Right. And it would likely provide enough to provide for the care you might need with uh, someone coming into your home or being in an assisted living facility. It would not likely throw off enough income to cover the high cost of a full skilled nursing home. Mm-hmm. So there's not one right answer, but you pose the question perfectly. And I think you just really need to think about what is the need you can, would be the wisest to meet. It's the most cost efficient to buy the longevity insurance. And it provides an enormous income if you are blessed with long life. And so I, I would weigh them. There's not one I can say, absolutely for you, Ron, the only choice is to do option one or option three or option two. It really is one that it's a certain amount of guesswork and a certain amount of just feeling for your own circumstance, which of the three would be the best option. So best of luck trying to make that call. Terry is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Terry. Hey, Clark. How are you today? Great. Thank you, Terry. How can I be of service? Well, I caught your show last week, and you were talking about home security cameras and or business security cameras and, 
And there was an option you said you liked, and it was about 20 to $30 to purchase a camera. And there was no monthly fees, and that really perked my interest. But when I got home, I couldn't remember the name of the camera. Well, the camera is the Wise Cam, W-Y-Z-E Cam. Wise Cam, okay. And I have seven of them. <laughs> and they're fantastic. The clarity of the video you get is extraordinary. There's no fee for uh, monitor, you know, for looking back at video, you know, where normally storage is very expensive. You get two weeks of storage for free, and I don't know who needs more than two weeks. And it's 20 bucks for the regular camera. It's 30 bucks for the pan and tilt. Okay, are those battery operated or? Uh, they are electric. So they're in, interior cameras. Although a lot of people, there are a lot of third party um, add ons for the Wise Cams that you can buy eBay, Amazon Marketplace, where people have come up with all kinds of contraptions to use the Wise Cam in very specific situations they need for a small business or for a home sure but the video i mean i show it to people and they're like how could this possibly be this clear for 20 bucks and you can real time you can look at a real time shot and it'll put up these green squares and you can go into that green square and expand it because it's where they think there's motion or somebody you might be interested in and you get such a clear picture of whoever that is. So if there was somebody who was vandalizing or whatever, you would be able to show the police a clear enough picture of that individual that they would be able to have full photo ID of that person. Okay, excellent. Well, thank you so much. Sure, and you get the Wise Cams from WiseCam, W-Y-Z-E, cam.com, or ironically enough, you can pay more and buy them from Amazon. So I don't know why you'd want to pay more and get them from Amazon. Today's Clark Rageous moment is something that I did not believe I'd have to visit again on our show. It goes back six years ago when the state of North Carolina decided it was a crime for people to whiten their own teeth without being under the care of a dentist administering teeth whitening case went on for years went to the u.s supreme court the supreme court voted not unanimously but overwhelmingly that dentists did not have a right to use dental boards and the power they have in a state to ban teeth whitening well now it seems that the state of georgia doesn't believe that supreme court rulings mean anything because now the dental board in the state of georgia has gone after people for offering teeth whitening and treating it as a crime for anyone other than a dentist to whiten your teeth. Now, do you know what this is about? This is about protecting income for dentists. And this is an inexcusable action on the part of dentists using their control of a state board to try to ban competition. You know, there's so much that goes on around the country with state licensing boards that originally were designed specifically to provide protection to the public, but instead have become all about protecting people in an industry from competition for their industry. There's 
nothing wrong with you buying teeth whitening products and whitening your own teeth. And for dentists to say, wait, 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 we make a lot of money on this. So since we make a lot of money on this, we're going to say nobody else can whiten teeth. That is Clark Rageous. It is wrong, and it should not be. So the dentists of the state of Georgia, I know this may be a shock to you, but the laws of the United States of America do apply to you. The Supreme Court, having ruled overwhelmingly, says you should let the free market decide this, and if I want to whiten my own teeth, you should let me do that and stay out of it. Glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's about your empowerment with knowledge so you can save more and spend less, and don't let anyone ever rip you off. And I wanted to give you an alert. You know that Kroger coupon that's been floating around on social media saying that you have $250 to spend at Kroger? Uh, Don't be mad at Kroger. It's a scam. It is not real. And do not click on any thing you see on social media about getting a $250 free shopping spree from Kroger. It is a complete con job and who knows where it leads to in addition to you walking into Kroger thinking you just won supermarket sweepstakes. Who knows what you've landed upon when you click to get that coupon. Who knows if it's viruses or what. I don't know that part of it But the most important thing is for you to know that Kroger is not willy-nilly handing out $250 shopping sprees on social media. So when you're shopping, the retailer that you're shopping at has a lot of hopes about what method you're going to use to pay for a transaction. Because... If you use an American Express card or you use certain premium reward cards, the merchant fees that that retailer or restaurant has to pay are enormous. And in fact, the fees that they pay to the credit card companies will typically be now for a merchant or a retailer, merchant or um, restaurant, their second or third highest expense category. And in the United States, we pay uh, much higher fees because inevitably they're embedded in the costs you face when you shop or when you eat, much higher fees than are typical around the world because the cost of processing a credit card for the bank is just pennies, but what the merchant pays is many times many dollars for every single swipe you make. So there was a case that had gone on for like a decade that the Supreme Court ruled on recently that said that it specifically concerned American Express, but it involves how any credit card operates, that a merchant at a retailer or restaurant or wherever is prohibited from being able to tell you, hey, we wish you'd use this instead of that as a way of paying. Now, here's the net effect of it that you should know that will affect your life. The fees that merchants pay that are already the world's highest may go higher because of the gag rule imposed on any merchant 
who accepts credit cards. Now, in that game, the reward obviously goes to the stockholders of the banks and American Express, but it also goes to people that are net payers of cards. It is another separation where the benefits are so intense right now for individuals who pay their balances in full. You get so much in reward points or cash back or whatever the reward is that you're getting when you use a reward card and pay the balance in full. Somebody's got to pay for you to do a sign-up bonus with a new card and get 50,000 points or 60,000 points or like with the British Airways Visa card, 100,000 points if you jump through all the hoops. And so this cost is being borne by both the retailer who takes the credit card and people who don't pay their balances in full. The costs of the system ultimately are borne by people who run balances at potentially very high interest rates. And in this separation of, I guess you'd call it winners and losers with credit cards, it is becoming even more intense to change how you use credit if you are someone who doesn't pay your balances in full. Because for you, you're paying an effective interest rate on average, typically upper teens, somewhere 17%, although I had a call just recently from someone who was paying 29% on a credit card. But let's say it's the more typical 17%. And embedded in the cost of a product or service, you're paying about 2% more to cover the cost of the credit card fees that the merchant is being charged. So it is very much to your advantage if you are going to use credit that you use it as a payment system and not as a borrowing system. If you have a lot of credit card debt running high interest rates, you should look and see if you can refi that the easiest places to do it are Lending Club and Prosper, where you may get enough of a cut in rates that would be worth it for you to get out from under the high, high interest rates that you're paying to typically Visa or MasterCard. Ryan is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Ryan. Hey, Clark, how are you? Great, thank you. And I want to thank your son for his service to our country. Yes, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, we're really proud of him. What's he up to? Well, he's uh, he's about, I think he's entering uh, his fourth week of uh, basic training, so he's he's right in the middle of it all right now. So. Oh, how's he surviving that so far? He's doing okay. We get a we get a phone call every couple of weeks, and he's he's making it. Okay, <laughs> it's 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 tougher on his mom, I think, than it is on him. <laughs> Well, how can I be of service? Because I can't help him through basic. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, he wrote us a letter, and he asked us about the uh, retirement plans that he's getting ready to sign up for. And he has until December to make up his mind, so it's not a big hurry. But 
He mentioned the thrift savings plan, which is the traditional one. But that He definitely uh, wants to do is, the, th- let me interrupt you right there. He wants sure. to get right in from the get-go in the thrift savings plan. The right. T- the TSP well, they, is fantastic. Was, yeah, he mentioned that there was a second plan that if you enlisted after 2018, after January, which he enlisted before that, um, that everybody's being put into is the blended savings plan, which is a little bit different. And I, I wasn't familiar with, with that and, and, it, and the difference. I've kind of looked it up online a little bit, but I'm, I'm not sure which one. He, he's going to have an option to do either one. So, So the blended plan started, as you said, January 1st. And so he can opt into that through his pay and it there is a very good guide online to the blended retirement system and how the thing works so the idea is that the military specifically is trying to de-emphasize the traditional pension plan mm-hmm. and so they're trying to get people it's almost like employers who get rid of a pension plan and instead have you go into a 401k where the company offers some level of match. Right. So um, I I think that, that the question really is how long he thinks he's really going to want to stay in the service. Right. Right, and and that that's I mean he's not going to be I'm, I'm I I don't know what his plan is going to be you know we're just going to have to take it a little bit at a time right now but I think he would make a career out of it the twenty years if if he really enjoyed what he was doing but uh, you know I mean he's just just getting started so he's not not a hundred percent sure right now okay so that is the hard choice he's he's got to make it how old is he. He's 19. At 19. <laughs> Just in basic. It's so hard. I mean, you know, very few people make it to 20. Right. It's a very small percent. So I, my feeling is that going into the TSP for a teenager with no sense of how long they'd serve would make the most sense. Okay. Okay. And that's just a guess. And as I said, there's a very lengthy, uh, well-written booklet that is available online explaining the options and how to pick. And there is no right answer unless, let's say, uh, your son was from a family where generations were 20-plus years in the military, and that's just what everybody in the family does then I'd say that would be an exception. Otherwise, I think TSP. Okay. All right. I appreciate the help. All right. The other thing, once he finishes basic, um, which branch is he in? Navy. Navy. All right. I would like him to join Navy Federal Credit Union. It would be an advantage. he already has. Okay. And he should consider if he has a car joining USAA. He already has done that, too. All right. (laughs) Well, We're on top of it. <laughs> he's doing all those great things. Well, good. He's got he's got a good dad who's very involved in this stuff. So I'm making sure he's 
He's in, in everything, taking advantage of everything he can. Well, that's perfect, because once he's in, he's in for life in those wonderful organizations. Gaina's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, how are you today? Hello, Clark. I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Wonderful. How may I serve you today? Okay, well, my question is, me and my husband are changing our car insurance, and there's so many different all different different types of ones to go with and I listen to you all the time on the radio and you always give really good advice Thank so you. I wondered if you could help us plan out which is the best one to go with in Jacksonville Florida please so this is for auto yes please all right and, with, and for the fully um fully comp or I'm sorry say that again for the fully comp um for full full coverage with an automobile. Yes. Okay, for comprehensive, liability, the whole bit, collision. So yes. I have a bias that uh, I always like for people to start with the two top-rated companies, only one of which you might be eligible for unless you have, like our prior caller whose son is in the military, unless you have some connection that would make you eligible for USAA, if you okay, um, my brother-in-law was in the military. I don't know whether that would help. It, I'm trying to remember if that would be a close enough connection to become a USAA okay. member if he is. But uh, USA could certainly say let you know that. The other okay. would be Amica Mutual, A-M-I-C-A Mutual. Amica Mutual. Right. These okay. two companies over the decades, are always at the very top of the insurance companies that are rated highest for how they treat their members. And they both have members, not customers. Now, it doesn't mean that they will necessarily be cheaper, but it means that if you have a need to make a claim, they handle your situation better than anybody else in the industry consistently and a lot of companies may offer you potentially a lower quote, but if the time mm-hmm. comes for a claim, one of the problems, one of the knocks with the auto insurance industry is a lot of times they're treating you as, as the enemy, not as a policyholder. Yeah, that's the thing. You have to be careful, don't you? You sure mm. do. And, okay. and so it, it doesn't hurt to get quotes from others, and then you can compare us and shop. Like you might find... Let's say you find out, oh, well, Amiga is going to be this much more than being with somebody else. Maybe I'll take a chance with this brand X because there's so much less money. Um, mm-hmm. So that's n- not a problem to make that, that choice because every day in life we have to make choices comparing price and quality. And so th- with auto insurance, the crazy thing is sometimes – Sometimes you're not going to pay a higher premium with one of the top-tier insurers. And Kim of our crew just checked, and the fact that your brother-in-law has served in the military is not good enough for you to be able to be a USA member yourself. So I would start with Amiga Mutual. Make sure as you get quotes, either online or over the phone, that you're comparing the same exact coverages and limits for liability, collision, 
and comprehensive so you're getting the same quote that you can compare fairly from company to company. It's Ask Clark time. That's where you post a question for me at Clark.com, and producer Joel asks it for you. What you got? Clark, Jill wrote in. She said, I love your show. Could you please be more specific when you talk about money thresholds? Like, for example, please don't say mega or huge when you're noting the income threshold you recommend for buying whole life insurance. What is it that you actually recommend? Mega, huge is uh, really somewhere in the territory of an annual income above $400,000 is where it can start to make sense to consider buying whole life insurance. At any income, you should never buy a variable life insurance policy, variable universal life insurance policy, anything like that. They are trash that blows up on people. Now, the reason that I talk about the ultra-high income threshold for whole life is that whole life insurance has enormous commissions and expenses built into it. And so you have to be at really the highest rarefied air tax rates at the federal level, 37%, before you're in a position where the uh, tax advantage of whole life can outrun the massive expenses of whole life. All right, Clark, Tim wrote in, he said, while selling a home, I agreed to a one-year home warranty for the buyer of my home, but uh, we didn't specify many of the terms. So I see there are a few companies and they offer different service levels and fees. What should I choose? Well, I am assuming there's a real estate agent involved in the transaction representing either you as the seller or there's a buyer's agent I would ask, based on their experience, which home warranty in the area you're selling the home is the one that they most often recommend, and go with that. That's a safe choice, because later, if the buyer says, wait, 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 you got me this home warranty that's complete garbage, and if you say, well, I just kind of picked it, I saw these on the internet, that's not nearly as good as if you can say, well, this is the one that the real estate agent that you used recommended that I get. So the buyer's agent is absolutely the best to get the recommendation from because it provides you the best protection that the buyer won't feel like you threw them under the bus in some way. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast of our show, I'd love it if you'd subscribe. Whatever your favorite podcast app is, we're pretty much there. And whether you love what you hear from me or hate it, take time to write a review. It's how we all learn from each other is from those reviews. 